welcome back to the latest episode of Empire Sports Talk. This is Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco. Today we got a jam-packed show for you today. We are going to be talking about Pac-12 and the Big Ten deciding to suspend all fall sports to the end of the year. We're going to talk about the New York Rangers winning the Alexi Lafreniere sweepstakes and much, much more. So listen in right now. Uh, and so, Joe, we're going to jump into it really quickly here with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten suspending sports throughout the year. Give me your instant reaction to that piece of news. Well, it was um, kind of shocking at first, but then I realized, you know, this is college sports. And in college sports, in order to make money, they're – main source and some people even say their only source of income is fans and without fans of course there's going to be no money coming in so it's something that uh i saw was possible i mean i mean listen there's been sports in the past few months that have been pushed back obviously we know the big american sports of the nba mlb nhl they've been pushed back uh now we're seeing college sports being I don't think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are the only ones that are going to be you know canceled um, for the fall I think there's still going to be some for the majority of schools they're going to have to push all these sports back you know and hopefully get them in the spring Um, you know right now it's pushed back to January 1st of 2021 Uh, but we will see what happens with uh, you know the COVID virus going into January and into February. I think that um, a lot of players, though, are upset. I mean, how could you not be upset? I mean, we saw Trevor Lawrence the other day kind of going off and just saying, listen, I mean, we want to play. And um, some of these guys, it's their last years. Uh, It's a chance for them to show how much they improved. And now, you know, they work so hard for that and for this to happen to them is another devastating thing that this coronavirus has done to the sporting worlds. And I think the, you know, the NCAA, I guess they're kind of handling it in a way where they don't want, you know, someone to get COVID on a team and then it starts to spread throughout the the team and then maybe even the campus possibly. So in their heads, they're saying, well, obviously we don't want that. And we want to, you know, make sure that we could cancel this season before any of that happens. They don't want to start the season and then a game or two games in two weeks, really, because every week, you know, something like that happens. They wanted to prevent that as much as they can. And, you know, that's what they're doing. They're trying to push these sports to the spring. Hopefully in the spring, they'll be able to play some of these sports, which is going to be a little weird. I mean, never before has, has college football been played in the spring. It's just not normal, but um, that is my take on it. And I think you have a pretty uh, strong opinion as well about this. I think um, to go back to a point you made a little bit earlier, I, I don't really think that the fans have, any um, stake in the decision-making of the commissioners. I think they're saying it's impossible to bubble these kids because it's just too big of a space and they have to be doing, you know, they obviously have to go to class and stuff for as long as these campuses are doing in-person classes, which I think will be somewhat of a short period of time. Um, And I think that they are saying we have to keep our students healthy because what if somebody, what if one of our kids really gets sick? Like really sick, I'm saying. You know, that I think the public perception of the program and legally speaking, I think would be disastrous for a school. Um, if they, yeah, uh, you know. I, I listen. I 
I disagree when you say that the fans aren't one of the biggest parts of why they're canceling. I think that, you know. I think they understand. I think they understand at this point that, you know, they're going to play without fans. Like, I don't think, like, that's a big part of it at all. Like, I don't think it was a huge part of baseball's return to play plan or any of the other leagues because I think it's just the assumption that you're going to play without fans. I think it's more- Yes, I do understand that. And, of course, it's it's COVID's, you know, fault um, for making all this happen. And that's why the fans are – yeah, that's why, you know, the fans aren't able to go to these games. Um, but, I mean, college football – is, you know, the fans coming in is not only the biggest, I would say, part of, uh, you know, the college football team, but for the whole um, sporting program, for the, like, as a director, I mean, he's looking at a pie chart and he's saying, wow, football's bringing in the most. It's bringing in the most by far, I think. I mean, for some of these schools, the amount of fans that they could hold. There, some of these schools, they can look at Michigan as the biggest stadium in in uh, all of the U.S. Even in in terms of uh, if you compare them with the NFL, I mean, a hundred and something thousand people coming in, you know, bringing in that money. That's a lot that they're losing as well, and it's something that's, you know, they someone has to pay the bills and. You know, unfortunately, that's what it comes down to um, is that money's a, a big issue with this. And, you know, in order to keep the program going, they, they need some sort of revenue coming in, which is not going to happen this fall. Um, and so with the FCC, the ACC, and now the Big Ten, or excuse me, the Big 12, announcing that they're going to play this season at the moment. Do you get smart? I personally don't think – I think it's better to be careful than to be sorry. And so I would um, cancel it, especially at some of these programs we see, LSU, some other programs where, you know, they're having trouble keeping the cases down within the team. And then – Imagine you have to get on a plane now on a team that you're already having trouble keeping the cases down and fly to, you know, if you're LSU, you get to fly to Tuscaloosa or whatever um, and then walk around that campus for, you know, walk into that locker room and then interact with the Alabama players on the field. I think it's a bad idea, personally. Yeah, I think it's going to be a domino effect where we're going to see Everyone else in the country, all these conferences just kind of, you know, cancel their seasons and cancel all, you know, fall sports and and push them back, you know, hopefully to see them in the spring. But um, it's something that hasn't been done yet, but I think it definitely will be done um, coming up in the near future. Um, I think that you know, the NCAA is is definitely, like I said, kind of handling this in the best way possible. And it's just so hard to have a bubble in football because there's way too many college teams. And they're for, you know, per team, it's not like the NBA where it's you know, 12 players, 13 players on a team. I mean, we're talking about including the staff, 75 people. Yeah. It's just so hard to have a bubble. You can have multiple bubbles, but, you know, the whole point of college, you, you want to travel, you want to play as many teams you, as you can. I saw um, – I don't think a bubble would work. Like, I just don't think it's a college football or even a college basketball bubble um, would work because I just think there's too many moving parts yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think there's um, 
I agree. It's just too many players. I think that's what it is. There's, there's too many players and too many, it's, it will not work. It will not work. I don't work. think you can keep unpaid, unpaid employees in a bubble. And if we're going to be completely fake about this and say that they have to go to class um, for as long as their institutions are doing in-person classes, how are you going to take somebody into a bubble, you know, a state away from their campus or whatever, and, you know, still have them go to class? No, it's just not going to happen, which is why we saw some of these conferences get canceled and we will 100% see the rest of the conferences get canceled. We're going to see a fall this year for really the first time ever. We're no college football, and it's going to be very disappointing because um, I agree. There's senior. I mean, who wouldn't agree? If you if you like sports, if you like football, yes, uh, it's something that's upsetting for the seniors because the seniors, you know, come into this year every year going into the fall. If you're in a big school, I mean, the biggest thing is you're hyped for the football games, pregame for football games, you know, tailgating. Going to the game, yeah. Something as just a student at a college is literally why some of these kids choose to go to a school like Alabama or. One hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's 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 disappointing. It's the Doug Flutie effect. Like, I'm curious to see how much of an impact this has on admissions at certain schools that have benefited from the Doug Flutie effect. Which, for those of you that don't know, and I don't, is that it's the fact that after Doug Flutie threw his Hail Mary to beat the U back in the day, uh, you saw a dramatic uptick of applications to Boston College, and you find that at every school, when they have a big um, athletic achievement in basketball or football, the applications go up. For the next year, I listen. And so, what what happens to that? You know, it's like a domino effect. And like I said, I mean, I have a friend that she goes to Alabama, and you know, I haven't talked to her about it yet, but um, I'm sure she's going to be upset when it gets canceled. And it's it's so heartbreaking. I mean. You're going to be seeing people that aren't going to be getting paid and they're just laid off. And it's uh, crazy how one thing, the coronavirus can affect everything in the world. It's unbelievable. Um, I think it proves, I think this 100% sort of proves that the U S had a, you know, 24 to 3 Super Bowl lead on coronavirus. They had all this time. I mean, we really started talking about coronavirus, Joe, on this podcast back in March when it was first, you know, um, exploding around the country. And we're sitting here now in August and it's getting worse. It's not getting better. I think that shows the United States government that the United States people have completely screwed things up and it has and it's possibly gonna cost us sports fans, us college football fans the chance to watch college football um this season. I don't think it's the government's fault. I think it's the com- oh. it's completely it I think it's completely the people's fault because they know what's out there. They know the protocols. They know what they have to do. But Nobody take it seriously. Nobody's taking it seriously. Nobody. There is nobody taking it. There's nobody. There's people wearing masks when they have to go in a store, but you know, if you're having a party, who's going to wear a mask at a party? If someone throws a party, don't have a party. It's pretty simple. It is simple. There's two million people around the world that are dead because of this, or excuse me, that are infected because of this, and counting. Don't throw a party. I mean, I don't. I don't think this is a very hard topic, hard concept. 
it's hard for younger people like us that are living in the summer when in the summertime, especially it's just, it's not easy. And, um, they will not care and they will do what they have to do to have fun. <laughs> so wearing masks at the boat parade thing. No, there was not one person, not even, not even Donald up. Trump Jr. was wearing a mask. That's fucked up. That's the government. Donald Trump Jr. is the government, Joe. His father he is the government of the United States. And you'd think that if his father was the president of the United States, he'd want to set a good example wear a mask. But you just said to me that he wasn't wearing a fucking mask. It's true. It's he's but that's why I put it at the government's feet, because he his father his father hasn't done crap about it and he ha- he is going along with it with this stupid crap about i had to unfollow just to go on a little bit of a rant for 2 seconds i apologize mm-hmm. i had to unfollow aubrey huff the other day because i my timeline is much happier without aubrey huff on it you know aubrey huff i do not he played major league baseball for the sarasco giants he's a huge like crazy trump supporter or whatever right he's like a bad person like i i literally reported one of his tweets the other day because it was dangerous for people to believe that it's dangerous he tweeted out that he um that wearing a mask is buying into the communist agenda or what something stupid like that and i was like you are trying to get people killed like you are genuinely trying to get people killed by tweeting that out and so i'm going to report it and hope that twitter takes it down because that is that is at a minimum accessory to murder no Um, there 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 are people like that out there that think that wearing a mask is stupid and i think they're just they're also being stupid because wearing a mask is a way really right now the only way to prevent this virus from spreading and i think that yes trump and you know like i said his son it's is, 10 uh, o'clock thank you is, um <laughs> I, they could have done they could be doing more and they could have done more but the only defense i have for him is that this virus is still so unknown that even if you try to do the best you can it's still so hard to prevent a spread because it spreads so fast. And How people hard don't is know it? why. How hard is it? Okay, I will give you that. That it's there's a lot we still don't know about this virus. But with that being said, how hard is it? We know he has a very active Twitter account to make public statements and to tweet out everybody wear a mask. It's for your health. I guarantee all of his supporters would jump on the mask bandwagon immediately if the lord and savior donald trump himself uh you know tweeted out wear masks be safe let's get rid of coronavirus as quickly as possible wash your hands you know follow uh you know the guidelines of the cdc i don't think that's very hard they so a responsible president would have said that and we would be almost done with this by now if not done with this because look at other countries. I mean, I saw something a month and a half ago in New Zealand, a soccer game, fully packed out with fans because they took it seriously. I want to go to a baseball game, Joe. <laughs> I mean, we're very off topic here, but we're also a little bit on topic. I would love to go back for alumni weekend at Ithaca College and watch a football game. I'd love to go, you know, to the garden or who wherever and watch a Duke basketball game. I'd love, you know, what I'm, even if I'm not going, watching it on TV. Of course, yeah. We, we all want to get back to the norm that we have. And I was going to say on, the, um, on that parade on Friday, they were giving out masks and some people were wearing masks. And the only reason why they were wearing masks is because – it supported Trump on there. So there were people wearing it, and he – obviously, he was supportive of that because he got one too. Was he wearing one? No. He should have been wearing one. A lot of people should have been wearing one as well. Is he Don Jr.? 
Don Jr. And his girlfriend. And his girlfriend. We're on there and his Yes. Uh they're both there and like I said, some people were wearing masks, some people weren't. And I'm I was a victim of not wearing a mask at times either. I obviously try to trying to keep distance as other people were too. Um as much as we can, but at the end of the day, it's just like, it's so hard to, the government can prevent it to an extent, and then it's up to the people. That's what I say. It's up to the people to actually do what the government says. And I think if the government, I think if the government made a statement, if Donald himself made a statement, not Dr. Fauci or Dr. Burks, but Donald J. Trump himself, the president of these here United States, made a statement and said, wear a mask, people, or you'll be fined. Let's say you'll be fined $100 if you go into a store without wearing a mask. I think the cult members would uh, wear masks immediately. Now, yeah, um, but, I mean, you, you have to wear a mask in a store no matter what, so... It's something that I think Trump, yeah, Trump needs to, I, I think he needs to say something about the uh, the masks being worn a little more. Um, but I think, like I said, even if Trump said, you know, mask, mask, mask over and over again, people would still not listen. I'm telling I you, people I think... have very thick heads, and especially now during the summertime where it's warm everywhere. People are going to be outside with, you know, whoever, and they're going to have try to have a good time. And they're going to say, oh, well, COVID's not going to stop me. And that's, that's the way it is, unfortunately, right now, because people haven't experienced this and they're just not used to it. They want to get out of the house, and it's tough. We're getting off, we're getting off topic here. But- I think we're getting a little – I'm going to bring it back here really quickly, but I think if people wore masks, we would be able – to, we would be having a different discussion about college sports right now. We would be talking about players returning to campus and things like that. I personally am of that opinion, that I think we would be okay right now and that college football could proceed as scheduled if everybody wore a mask. Um, and I think that, you know, yeah, we would be – we wouldn't be sitting here talking about the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the Big 10 canceling their football seasons, trying to move it to the spring. So that's how we're bringing it back. To- Listen, nobody, nobody knows right now. That's the problem. Nobody really knows. So, yes, do what you can. Wear your mask when you're in a store, obviously, when you, when it's mandatory to wear it. Wear it and, you know, try try your best to uh, keep your distance from people. But um, so now think, we – Do you think, Joe, really quickly, that this will lead to players being paid because of all of the things that they have to deal with, because of the fact that they are, you know, putting sort of their safety on the line to play these games without getting paid for it? Do you think – that this will lead players to getting paid. I personally think that this will be a big step in the direction of college athletes getting paid. Because, you know, when you're at work at the real estate company or I'm at work wherever, wherever I get a job, um, you know, I'm not doing that for free. And if I'm doing something that is going to put me in harm's way, they're paying me for it. You know what I mean? They're like paying me to go to uh, some place and report from there. I agree with you to an extent, but for me, it players getting paid. Will this lead to players getting paid? Um, probably not, because of how much money college sports is losing. I think they're just literally like this is going to kill the players if they want to have an argument for this. It's going to kill their argument. 
because not only will they not be making money, but they're going to be behind this coming spring and even in the future. I mean, and they're not the only company. There's every, every company has been affected by this. So I think it'll kill the argument. It'll really hurt it. And I don't think they'll be able to uh, come to an agreement for players getting paid. I don't think right now, but I think this will be a huge point um, that leads to in a you know year or two, two, three years, college athletes getting paid. Um, and so with that, let's move on now to the NHL draft lottery news that came out yesterday. Our beloved New York Rangers, Joe get the um, first overall pick. Huge news. Love that news. They are expected to select uh, Alexi Lafreniere Lafreniere from uh, Ramouski Oceanic in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. What was your reaction, Joe? Thank you. To the Rangers winning the lottery yesterday. Uh, I was just thrilled that a team owned by James Dolan actually had some luck. Yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. Everyone was shocked as well. I mean, I thought only teams that James Dolan sells uh, get the first overall pick after he sold the Liberty and then they got Sabrina Ionescu with the first overall pick. Yeah, I think that the Rangers now, I mean, if they can get this guy, you know, with the first pick and they make the right choice, I think they're going to be, they're going to be set to really build around these two guys of uh, Panarin, Capococco, and now Alexis LaFrarin. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm very happy as a Rangers fan that they got the first pick, obviously. So, um, Hopefully, this could happen to the Knicks in the future. I wouldn't put my money on it, unfortunately. I don't think anyone would, but just Uh, crossing your fingers and hope that one day it'll happen. And I think... Go back to the Ewing days. Yes. I, uh... This, similarly, this draft lottery um, has invited as much criticism from conspiracy theorists as that lottery did um with you know the the guy i don't know if you saw this joe did you see these conspiracies before the draft lottery like started before like all the balls went into the thing that shook him up um the guy accidentally dropped the rangers ball in and it seemed a little bit heavier than all of the other balls. And he was what he was doing with every team was he was showing the ball to Gary Bettman. He was saying, yes, that's the Rangers logo. Yes, that's the Winnipeg Jets logo. Yes, that's the blah, blah, blah logo. And he accidentally dropped the Rangers ball in before doing that. Uh, uh, so he had to take it out. And so people are saying, you know, ring. Whatever theory it is, the Rangers have the first pick. I don't care about the theorists. I mean, you know, the conspiracy theories. I'm just happy that Alexi Lafreniere is going to be playing on the third line of the New York Rangers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They're Damn saying that he's the next Crosby. Uh, do you do you agree with that statement? I think he could be. He's the first player for Ramuski to um, play to win back-to-back uh, QMJHL of the Year awards. He's their first first overall pick if he goes first overall since Crosby, Ramuski Oceanic, that is. So I think he has potential. I heard one thing that was interesting today on the Blue Shirts Breakaway podcast, which I recommend, but not until after we finish ours. Please listen to theirs after um, we finish ours and tell them that, you know, they should have Joe and I on. Um, But they said that this is kind of like when the um, Penguins got Malkin 
and then the, with the second overall pick, and then the next year they got the first overall pick and took Crosby. Last year the Rangers got hey, – Let's just cross our fingers. That is the case. Um, I see a little bit more of Jonathan Huberto. Um, he can really hit. He can score. I mean, you know, last year in only 52 games, Alexi Lafreniere at 112 points, which is over a point per game, which is ridiculous. And 10 points in five games for Team Canada. So I'm all aboard the Alexi Lafreniere train. Here's a question for you, Joe. Yes. Um, so the NHL season starts on December 1st. The NHL draft is not until October 9th and, and 10th, whereas the QMJHL season, which is the league that Ramuski Oceanic plays in, starts on October 1st. If you're Alexi Lafreniere, you know you're going to be drafted first overall. Um, are you playing for Ramuski Oceanic, or you say, no, I don't want to play because I don't want to get hurt and potentially hurt my draft stock. I want to be ready for getting drafted first, and I want to be ready for the NHL season. Because, like, let's just say he tears his ACL. I think he potentially drops from number one. Um. Yeah, it could – I mean – it could be because it's not like – I mean, is he really like a Zion where he stands out that much from number one and number two? Is that the difference in this draft? And I'm asking you that as a question. Is that a difference? Is yeah. there a difference between him and the next guy up? I think there is a – not a huge – drop off but I think there is a significant drop off between Alexi Lafreniere and Quentin Byfield who is probably going to be the second overall pick so there is a big drop off yes so I would play I would definitely play because then you know you will still be selected number one overall and if you have that big of an impact on that series as well that is just going to guarantee that Dolan or whoever's making the decision, which is not going to be Dolan, but whoever's making the decision for the Rangers to pick their player, number one overall, is going to have a blindfold on. If he plays well in this series, in this league, that he doesn't have to play in, of course, but if he does, I think it's just going to guarantee that someone will pick him with a blindfold. I disagree, actually. I don't I don't think I play if I'm him because I see all the um, potential money that I could make in the future. And, you know, I think it, I see the potential risks for my career that playing in QMJHL games with Ramuski would do for me right now. Um and I say I'm not going to play because the only thing that I think it would do if I'm Alexi Lafreniere is hurt my draft stock. I don't think anything – there's nowhere to go, but, you know, once you're at number one, there's nowhere higher that you can go. So I think the only thing that would happen was is that his draft stock would lower, whereas there's nothing that could help him rise that he does everything that he's done that could help him rise has been done already. Yeah. I mean, listen, he has a decision to do, of course, what he wants to do. Um, I think that um, he can play and maybe he'll just play limited minutes. Uh, maybe he'll play a certain amount of games. Um it all depends on, on really what he wants to do. But, you know, now that you're saying that, maybe he shouldn't he shouldn't play because we know he'll be the number one pick. But like I said, if he does play and then he does play well, I mean, it's just going to make him look better. Yeah, it could, um, to that point, really, really, really solidify his spot there. His spot there is pretty solidified, but it could, like if he, let's say, plays two or three games for Ramuski, um, 
before he gets drafted and then he calls it, you know, he retires, quote unquote, from the QMJHL. And in those three games, he has like, you know, six points. He has like two goals and three, you know, and um, four assists or whatever in those three games. And he, you know, absolutely kills it with, you know, a lot of hits. That could really make Jeff Gorton and the Rangers brass very excited and certain that Alexi uh, Lafreniere was the pick, is the correct pick. But again, I go to, I think that the negatives outweigh the positives in this case, personally. We will have to see what, what decision he makes on that. Um, but I'm just, again, excited that the Rangers have this option of picking anybody they want and should be Alexis in the first overall pick. Yes. Um, I would love Alexi Lafreniere as a Ranger. I mean, yeah, you know me. You know I yell. Um, yesterday I was watching the lottery, and I yelled pretty loud when I saw that the Rangers ball uh, popped up to the top. Um with excitement at getting the getting Alexi Lafreniere, but also an excitement at what he will do to the future. A team that has already, you know, almost made the playoffs this year. Um, if we could have this, you know, we could have an argument if the season wasn't paused. The Rangers are only two points back of a playoff spot. They might have gotten there, you know. Um, so I think he will help the Rangers tremendously. I don't think if I'm the Rangers, I don't think about selecting anybody else. I don't think about Quinton Byfields. I do my homework on them, you know, just to be thorough on Quinton Byfield and Tim Stuzel. But I, I think it's Alexi Lafreniere. Um, and um, yeah, no, I, I, I do think it's going to be Alexi um, in this draft. And I think that if the Rangers don't pick him, there's gonna there's gonna be a mass riot. Yes, I was about to say head being cut in a guillotine. Yes, I was about to say that there was gonna be a riot on the streets. So great minds think alike, there, Joe. That is true. So now in the MLB world, uh, during this coronavirus, there has been a suspension, another suspension. Um, and this time it's the Astros hitting coach receiving a 20-game suspension for egging on Ramon Laureano, apparently, you know, talking about his mother, saying, you know, come at me, you won't. And Laureano also received a four-game suspension uh, for this fight. And do you think, I'm going to ask you first, is the 20-game suspension fair? Um, would you have suspended him for more or less if you do think it's fair? And would you have suspended Loriano at all? Um, so I think the 20 game suspension is fair because I think that after the Joe Kelly incident a few weeks ago, where really none of the Astros were punished and Joe Kelly was suspended for those eight games, I think the Astros a little bit were starting to feel like they were completely, um, protected by Major League Baseball and no matter what they did they were going to stand punishment free while everybody else was going to take you know all of the punishment and so I think Alex Intron the hitting coach had that attitude of like I can you know crap talk uh, Ramon Laureano and I can say vile you know vile stuff about his mother or whatever and no matter what I'll be protected by Major League Baseball because they don't want you know, to suspend us. Um, and so I think this is Major League Baseball sending a signal saying, we are trying to protect you from hit by pitches, which I think that's a discussion for a different day. Um, but we, you know, you, what you did was purposefully egg him on to start a fight. And that's, you know, obnoxious. You were, you wanted a fight and then you were too much of a baby to, you know, stand behind your players while he came running at you. I So I think the suspension is good. Yeah, I think that 
you know, there should have been some Astros that were suspended for the entire season. I that agree. Happened. So, I mean, this has nothing to do with the cheating scandal, obviously, but um, 20 games for egging him on, uh, I don't know. I mean, he definitely should be suspended for a few games, but 20 maybe seems a lot. I would give him less. I would have given him less if I was the MLB. Um, you know, just because egging him on isn't really – yes, it did start a little fight, but I think 20 games is a little much for just starting a fight. Uh, now, I think the Astros just deserve it, so I'm very happy to see somebody in the Astros organization get suspended again besides the GM and the coach. I agree because I think it's – yes, as I said, you know – I don't know if I would have suspended Loriano for four games too. I think that's a little much. I think maybe a game. I mean, how would you feel if, if someone's egging you on like that? Yeah, I'd be pissed too. And I, I agree 100%. I was going to make that point as well, Joe, that I think – I would have suspended him for maybe one game. I think the maximum, if it was up to me, I would have fined him. I would have fined him. I think that's ridiculous that they're suspending him for four games. Yes, he he charged him, but if you're a guy and someone doing that to you, it's like almost impossible to hold back. Yes. And, you know, you you and I – I think both know that if somebody was, you know, talking about our mother like that, we'd want to go. And then was saying, you know, come on, come on. We'd want to go, you know, deal with that. Exactly. So I think these two suspensions are a little far. Um, out of reach, I think. I think you suspend them less. You know, you don't have to do that. Yeah, I think that. Four-game suspension is ridiculous for Ramon Mariano. As I said, I would have fined him, and I think that would have been it, to be honest. Um, and, you know, what what's a number that you would have suspended Alex Cintron for? I would have suspended Alex for five games, and I would have suspended Loriano for maybe a game. I don't even know if I would have suspended him. Yeah. Um, and so now moving on, we're going to talk about the NBA bubble a little bit. Uh, the Suns are 7-0 and in the bubble, Joe. They're on fire. Yeah. D-Book is arguably the best player in the bubble right now, and I say arguably only because after having some fights with some other players in the bubble in games, you know, arguments – Damian Lillard has turned it on. He dropped 61 points tonight, Joe. He's the 12th player in NBA history to have back-to-back 50-point games. And so, yeah, um, you know, Damian Lillard is the 12th player, as I said, in NBA history to drop back-to-back 50-point games. He really went off. Today he said, I saw on Twitter, somebody, uh, he, the camera caught him saying after he dropped, I think, 50, put some effing respect on my name. So he's pissed in the bubble. Yeah. And I think Devin Booker is, um, he's really emerging as the top, one of the top scorers in the league. Uh, in the- in the league, for sure, 100%. He deserves that contract he got two years ago. He got a massive contract at 20 years old. It's unheard of. I mean, 20 years old, he got a five-year deal worth $100 million. Yeah, it's crazy. And and he's living up to it. He, he's, I think he's worth every penny so far. And um, I think that Suns team is, is looking good, too. I mean, they're young. Uh, they could possibly build a core around D-Book and Aiton. And I think that their future is bright, especially with Devin Booker. Um, I think he really – he has a gift to score the basketball. 
Yeah, he's only going to be 27 when his contract's over. So he can really, you know, dip out of there and go do something else in a bigger market um, when his contract's over if he continues to play well. Surrounded by players that are not, you know, Kelly Oubre Jr. and DeAndre Ayton and Rubio and Bridges. Um, I think the two, I think easily the two best players, and I mean this goes without saying right now in the bubble, are Devin Booker and Damian Lillard. Yep. Um, Devin Booker, like I said, he is, I think he's going to be an all-time great. That's how good he is. All-time scorer. Um I mean, the guy scored, what, 70 points before he was 20 years old. Yeah. It's, that, that doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. And crazy. I think whenever he becomes a free agent, if he decides to, he's going to get a, another massive deal, of course, and it's going to be um, a frenzy to go after him. Yes. But right now, listen, the Suns team, like I said, they got potential. and uh, I like the Suns. I have nothing against him. And finally, I think they're putting together a team that um, makes some noise in the playoffs and uh, maybe possibly go back to the Charles Barkley days. This is easily, I'd argue, um, maybe the best um, Suns team since – the Grant Hill, Steve Nash, Mari Suns teams, like, which is very weird because only Devin Booker is a star on that team. Like, I wouldn't call, you know, Rubio a star or even Aiton a star yet or, you know, Mikhail Bridges or Aaron Baines, Saric, Kaminsky, etc. I really wouldn't call them stars yet. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that duo of Booker, Booker and Aiton, I think that could be, um, you know, a potential, like, one-two punch and uh, a good duo, like, it could build up to be, like, a LeBron and AD almost. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they could be lethal, the two of them. They were lined up to get those draft picks. They picked well, obviously. Devin Booker, what pick? What number pick was he? Was he was definitely top ten. Devin Booker was. Let's look up. Because Devin Booker, he definitely wasn't number one. But the Suns, you know, the front office and the organization did a great job at picking him in the spot that they were at. Yeah. Now Devin Booker today he recorded his. 91st career 30-point game, the most by any player in Suns history. And he's only 23 years old. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, it could be that there's a lot of players playing better in this NBA bubble because they're not traveling. I mean, traveling does take a toll. Yeah. So, I think one thing the Suns did today that was really cool, which was they had family members of – they had recorded videos of family members of the team um, announcing them for the starting lineup. Yeah. And, and Devin Booker – Yeah, no, right here it says he was the 13th pick in the draft. 12 other players went ahead of him. And right now those 12 other teams – of course, the Knicks were in that. That was 2015. That was when they got Porzingis. Which, I mean, I'd rather have – I wouldn't rather have D-Book than Porzingis. Excuse me, I wouldn't rather have Porzingis than D-Book. But I think um, it's not as bad. As yes, it's not as bad as the Knicks had selected, you know, Frank Kaminsky or Justin uh, – or, you know, Moutier or Mario Hazonia or somebody. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Julia Okafor or something, you know. That right this kid at 23 years old, he is a year older than me. He was born in 96 with a salary of $27 million. Yes. So, 
uh, you know, what a life he has. <laughs> Let's just put yeah. it that way. Right yeah. now, he has nothing to complain about. I agree. <laughs> but, you know, you know, you, you never know what um, he's cooking in somebody else's kitchen. And just because you have money and fame doesn't mean you're happy. I think we have to acknowledge that a little bit. But. Of he course. Have the main the, thing right now. On the surface, he doesn't have a lot to complain about. Of course. And the main thing right now is that he's leading his son's team to all these victories and then being 7-0. and all. Yes. Which is remarkable. Yeah. It is very remarkable. Um, so... The coronavirus is still killing a lot of uh, a lot of things, unfortunately, and the effect continues to drag on. And you know, hopefully, sooner rather than later, it will start to it'll start to die down. And um, you know, like we said in the beginning of the pod, we're seeing these cancellations of college football, which is so upsetting. Um, you know, me being just a football fan in general. I mean, I don't really have I know you like the Fighting Irish with that flag in the background. So let's go. We all know what team you like. Huge note. But uh, for me, for me, I'm not. uh, I I don't really care about a specific team in college football. I just like to watch games, and um, it's going to be upsetting not being able to do that this fall. Yes. Um, and and so thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Empire Sports Talk. This has been Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco. Thanks for joining me per usual, Joe. This was a fun one. Um, and so tune in again next week and stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. And hopefully this coronavirus will start to come to a close sooner rather than later. I hope so. Thank you.